back with another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. Rob, we've been away for seemingly weeks. Uh, welcome back. How, how good do you feel to be sitting down recording once again? It's amazing. I'd forgotten that we had this podcast. It's been three long weeks, it seems like. Uh, you and I have traveled across the country and back again <laughs> since then. We did the math, didn't we? It's you know well over 2,000 miles in the last, in the last couple no, of weeks. No, no, no. We were not 2,000. We were each over 6,000. And I believe a combined, after my recent trip to Florida and back, I think we have a combined over 15,000 miles in the last three weeks. So uh, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of traveling. We could have gone around the world. Instead, we just went to a bunch of uh, football events. Yeah, yeah, you know, I could have seen the pyramids and, you know, the Taj Mahal and everything else. Instead, I saw two attack Lavoa in <laughs> throw passes in California. <laughs> All right, so we'll jump right into it. Now that we're back, quick reminder, you can reach out to us at Rivals Podcast on Twitter, uh, RivalsPodcast at Yahoo.com. So if you, you want us to talk about something you haven't heard from us, feel free to bother us. And, of course, leave us a re- uh, review on iTunes and subscribe there. Uh, we'll be get back to a weekly schedule going forward. You mentioned uh, Tua Tagovailoa, or however we say his name. He's a big-time quarterback uh, from Hawaii. A lot of SEC schools are interested in. But since we've been gone, the quarterback dominoes have really started to fall. Let's kind of go through the list. Uh, Jake Fromm flipped uh, from Alabama to Georgia, which is something that we had speculated on uh, a few episodes ago. That's a big-time addition for them. It was especially interesting considering they had just offered Davis Mills. I'm wondering from your outside perspective, do you think when they offered Mills, it kind of put the pressure on Fromm to to, to jump on board? Uh, Yeah, I think. That definitely, um, that definitely will motivate somebody. You know, these quarterbacks don't want to be the other guy in a class ever, especially not in your hometown school. So, you know, maybe he was thinking about it. We knew he was thinking about making the making the commitment switch, and uh, that probably pushed him in that direction to do it sooner than later. Which, you know, could end up being a good thing for Alabama. You know, if you're going to have a guy like this change his mind, you want it to happen earlier the better, right? You don't want to be stuck at the eleventh hour. Uh, so, you know, maybe this will work in Alabama's favor in some weird way. Okay, so when we talk about Fromm as a player, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to compare him to, to anybody off the top of my head. He's a he's a you know big kid weight wise. I think he's close to to two fifteen. He's about six one. I know there has been some debate over his height, uh, as he claims to be six three. But uh, our producer Nick Kruger famously did an interview with him uh, where he was taller than him, and that was back in the fall. And Nick, uh, you know, is about six feet tall. So. Uh, six foot, six foot one, uh, very athletic, put up huge numbers last year in the state of Georgia. Guy I've always really liked. Now, the last Georgia staff didn't like him for some reason. I don't know why. Kirby Smart quickly came in, made him a priority, uh, and they get him. Now, on to the next domino. Davis Mills then commits to Stanford, kind of the place we had expected him to go, especially since uh, UCLA had some coaching changes there. I think he wanted to go to UCLA initially. Uh, they go ahead and uh, – and get a new offensive coordinator. He goes to Texas A&M. All of a sudden, Mills, you know, gets interest. Georgia offers. Alabama offered him as well. Uh, and I think Florida State was on the verge of offering. Instead, he commits. Stanford gets their guy. Mills, I guess, is the top of the guy on, uh, on my list of the four Georgia quarterbacks that are ranked as four stars. So, th- so then the trickle down into one of your states, Jake Bentley, who we thought was high on Stanford, commits to South Carolina and you had just went and spoke with him over the past few days. <laughs> yeah, Did I was expect that to happen. No, I sat across from him in his coach's office at his high school on 
Friday afternoon, uh, and we were talking about South Carolina, and he told me that you know he, they were definitely the leader. You know that's not news to anybody. Everybody that's been following it all knew that South Carolina was kind of leading that ship. Uh, but he says, absolutely in no way am I going to commit when I'm there. I'm visiting there this week. Uh, I'm not going to commit. I'm going to come back and wait until after the spring, maybe check out Alabama, and then decide. Uh, sure enough, he commits on the visit after he says that he will not commit on the visit. Uh, and then when I asked him, you know, what happened? He said, I, I just couldn't help it. So they must have pressed pretty hard on him. Um, but, you know, that's where he wanted to be, and he probably saw some things that, that made him just go ahead and expedite the process and pull the trigger. Uh, so now him to South Carolina, also in my in, in one of my states this week, you've got Miami taking two quarterbacks now. Uh, they had Nikoski Perry, who was committed there originally, broke his commitment, recommitted, and then a few days later, Cade Weldon out of the Tampa area commits to Miami. So now they're early on. I've got I've got two quarterbacks on the fold. Well, so it's worth noting we touch on Bentley real quick. His dad is the running backs coach there. He grew up in South Carolina where his dad's been a, a college coach and a, and a high school coach for a long time. So I don't think that comes as a surprise. Then, but you mentioned the, the Miami guys. Now, the reason this has an impact is because Miami liked Bentley. Miami also liked Mills. Instead, now they go with, with two different guys, Perry, who's more of a dual threat, and Weldon, who is the son of Casey Weldon, the, the uh, Heisman runner-up back in the day for Florida State. Were we always expecting Miami to take two in this class? Because I know they, uh, they're they a little short on numbers, but I was a little surprised to see both of them commit within such a short time. I think that there were two plans of action for Miami. I think that if they would have gotten a Bentley or a Mills or somebody of that caliber, they may have only taken one. Um, but, you know, and I wonder how much it didn't play into the first Perry commitment. Perry commits to Miami early on, then gets some more interest in kind of suddenly decommits. I wondered if that wasn't the product of them telling him they wanted to take another quarterback. Now, I can't confirm that. I haven't asked uh, Nikoski that. I, I will the next time I see him. Uh, and then maybe he came to terms with it and, and you know rejoined the fold, and then they take Weldon like three or four days later, I think. Uh, so I think it became the plan. I don't know if it was the original plan for the Hurricane Step 2 in this class, but somewhere along the way, the plan evolved. Yeah, we have both of those guys ranked as three stars. I know... I'm a little higher on Perry than you are. We're hope actually they're both going to be. A uh, Perry will be at the Rivals Camp in Atlanta on April 2nd. Weldon is expected to be at the Quarterback Challenge on April 3rd. I'm also been pushing Perry to to sign up for that as well. So we're going to get another chance to look at these guys. They're, like I said, they're two different skill sets. Weldon more of a pro style guy. Perry is a guy that can do a lot of stuff with his legs. Do you think there's a possibility that uh, maybe he moves to another position down the road, or do you think? That, you know they're going to try to break these guys up with a redshirt year. What what happens with uh, you know? I, I think Perry. I think Perry could move to another position if he chose to. I don't think that that is something that he wants to do. I think if you tell him that, uh, I don't think Miami has told him that. I think if Miami told him, hey, we want to look at you another position, he would not be committed to Miami right now. Uh, that's going to be something that they'll have to work on with him if that's the plan. I don't know if that's the plan. And we do call him a dual threat, but we shouldn't take anything away from Perry. I, the reason that he's not ranked higher right now is just because of a consistency issue. He's got a big arm. I mean, he can throw the ball a mile. He's got all these tools. It just hasn't come together for him mechanically yet. Uh, and you hope it does, because if it does, he definitely has the size and the speed and, you know, the arm strength and everything you kind of like to see. You just want to see it work out for him. 
Yeah, and he's in an area in Ocala where, you know, you don't have the same type of access to uh, QB gurus uh, like some of these guys in Tampa, Miami, Atlanta, et cetera. So now that brings us to uh, the defending national champions, uh, Alabama. All of a sudden, the tide left holding the bag here because, n- number one, they've loaded up on quarterbacks in years past, and I think I think a lot of kids pay attention to that. They seem to take a quarterback every year, most of them pretty highly rated. No, and not to mention, they're also been in, involved in the transfer market, uh, you know, with them going out and getting the quarterback uh, from Florida State. And then uh, I think they were in the hunt for uh, the the one double A kid who ended up at Oregon. So now what do they do? They missed on they've missed on from a guy. They a guy they definitely wanted. They offered Mills the day after he committed to Stanford. I, I just don't see him changing his mind at this point. And then they missed on Bentley, and technically an in-state guy, but a guy that I, I just never really uh, felt like they had a lot of traction with. So I know you talked to a friend of the podcast, Andrew Bone from Tidesports.com, uh, Snapchat legend, Andrew of course, Bone, uh, about some of the options. W- between his knowledge and yours, where, where do they sit with some of these guys that are still on the market? All right, well, let me start with saying that the defending national champions and Nick Saban and Alabama and that whole aura, they're never – out of bounds on flipping a committed kid, right? Like, I mean, that's something that can always happen. Uh, the three we mentioned, I don't think it's happening. A, you know, from flipped from Alabama. Uh, it's hard to imagine a scenario that he will flip back. Mills is headed to Stanford, where it's hard to flip kids from Stanford because of the educational opportunities and all of that. Uh, Bentley's got the family connection to South Carolina, so you can't see him really making the flip either. Uh, so they're looking at guys, you know, like to attack Lavoa on the West Coast, and they're looking at Loel Narcisse uh, from you know the Bayou area, and and these kind of guys, as far as guys that, that they have a shot with now. Now, like I said, you, you never know who Alabama is going to get involved with closer to signing day. Uh, you know, you saw it with the Ricky Town situation, and, and they are able to flip some highly ranked guys sometimes because they do have that mystique. Uh, but for right now, you know, you, you've got to look at a guy like to attack Lavoa, who we both saw in LA uh, from from Hawaii. Uh, we both saw at the LA camp playing but i you gotta think that's one of the targets him and narcisse have got to be the top two right now yeah and he famously uh attends the same high school uh that uh marcus uh, mariota attended so there's a you know a lot of people in you know he's hawaiian so they're the same person obviously uh if you <laughs> if you judge based on generalizations made by people but i you know he's about six feet tall maybe six one definitely more uh stoutly built than uh than mariota and i think a guy that uh, is just a different style of quarterback. Just I, 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 did, I, did Mariota pretty, have the did Mariota have the Hawaiian man bun that Tagovailoa has? He's got like the start of kind of like you know the top ponytail thing going. No, I believe Mariota had the real high hair, like kind of a kind of a Conan O'Brien type thing going. If uh, you look at his uh, rival's profile picture from back in the day, but uh, I personally, you know, I based on what we heard, when we were out in California. You know, unless, of course, Oregon offers, which they've already got their quarterback in Ryan Kelly, I expect uh, Tua to end up at USC. They seem to be the, the leader in the clubhouse there for him. And I just think, boy, from Hawaii to, to Tuscaloosa, I mean, that's I don't think Delta's running any direct flights there. Uh, that would be a, I think that's a long way to go from home, especially for a highly ranked guy who kind of has his pick of West Coast schools. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, with the sand beaches and the volcanoes, they're really pretty much the same. Uh <laughs> Geography-wise, right? 
Well, I think the cost of living is a little bit cheaper in Tuscaloosa or Tuscaloosa, as uh, people often refer to it when they're talking uh, about it. <laughs> so that puts us into Narcisse, who, uh, you know, is a guy from my uh, one of my new states down there in Louisiana. We saw him as well uh, during our uh, odyssey across the United States. He was kind of hit and miss. He's still coming back from a from a foot injury uh, or from a knee injury, excuse me, and then he was having some problems with his feet there uh, in New Orleans. I think he's going to LSU. I, you know, he was already committed to Auburn. He decommitted. So, so I think he he's going to LSU. So, it, you know, I really think that that is, maybe your they're gonna, theory they're going to end up with Bailey Hawkman. Is that is that the uh, is that the theory? Right. Trial so Bailey Hawkman. Right, Bailey Hawkman was committed to Georgia for a long time. When the new staff came in, you know, they parted ways. I, I personally had him pegged for North Carolina for a long time. I think they were they're kind of the the, the school to beat. Uh, I don't talk to Bailey a whole lot, so I don't you know have the greatest picture of his recruitment. Um, but I, I you know that that Alabama offer. Alabama likes to offer a lot of these guys to come throw in camp. I mean, I've actually I was there a couple of years ago. Uh, incognito when I decided to just uh, to walk into the Alabama camp and see, and, and uh, take a look at things and uh, they basically take four or five quarterbacks pull them off onto a separate field work them out and film the entire thing go back through and then make a decision on which one they like and when they do that uh, all those guys have offers so you know I think Hawkman right now is in that group of the offered guys that they want to see in person um, my question is, does it get to that point? Because, you know, by the time we get to the summer, I think Alabama is going to want to hopefully have one of these one of these other guys like, you know, Tua or Narcisse or somebody in the fold because, you know, they're that, you know, they need a quarterback in this class. They really want one of these guys. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, but with Alabama, it's, you know, anybody else, I would say it's obviously, you know, they've stacked a quarterback right now. It's never really time to hit the panic button uh, anybody else i would say you know are they going to get caught holding the bag as you said but you, you just never know what they're capable of pulling off down there. i mean when you've got the momentum that they've got on the field it, nothing seems that far out of bounds you know i mean would it shock you if they start getting involved with some other you know highly rated guys down the stretch that maybe they look like they're not involved in right now well i think the guy the guy we need to remember is blake barnett i mean he was committed to Notre Dame at this time a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's when Ricky Town, all that drama happened with him, right? It's the same. Right. So he, so he goes to the five-star challenge. He just decommitted from Notre Dame, and I believe he told he told me, and I think he kind of told all of us, it was only a matter of time before he committed to Oregon at that point. He ends up taking a visit to Alabama and committing on the trip, and then it was like the, the the wheels were spinning round and round. I mean, Notre Dame ended up, I think, stealing uh, Wimbush away from Penn State as a result of that. Oregon ended up taking Travis Waller, and uh, you know it, it was a situation where in, <laughs> Arizona State got Brady White. It was just round and round and round. It was all a result of uh, of Alabama kind of going in and stealing a, a high rated guy. So I think that's where we. Are probably going to end up seeing. I just don't. I just don't think we know the name right now because we, it, we it's you know yet to be determined. Yep. No, I can completely concur. All right. So it's been a few weeks since we've updated everyone on anything, but more importantly, Demetrius Robertson, our boy, the last uncommitted five star in the class of 2016. 
pushing deep into March. Looks like we are going to make it past that April 1st deadline for the National Letter of Intent. He probably will not sign that, and uh, we'll just kind of you know, show up wherever he I'm still really, really hoping he just decides to open a fish and chips shack somewhere on the beach. It's like, yeah, well, this all get too overwhelming. Now I'm selling tilapia. And so most importantly for uh, – for everyone out there, he has actually signed paperwork with three different schools, Georgia, California, and Georgia Tech. So right now, he has three options on the table. I think because of the SEC rules now, he can't sign with Alabama. He could still go to Alabama, but for the in terms of the unlimited contact period that's available now, Georgia's got the leg up there. Uh, and then Notre Dame is still in the mix as well. I believe there's been some talk about him taking another visit to Notre Dame. Um he hasn't talked to anybody, I, I believe, uh, since he took the visit to Georgia. But his mom was there, his sister was there, and we know his mo- his sister, you know, is planning to run track at the same school that he goes to. So there's been uh, all kinds of talk about that. But you know, Georgia fans are feeling pretty confident. I think it's big for them that he actually showed up for visit number one <laughs> since he missed a, he missed several over the past few months. Uh, but number two, I think it should be cautiously optimistic, especially if he decides to make a trip back to Notre Dame. Uh, I, I, you know, it's it's really this has really got to be one of the most fascinating recruitments of all time, right? What do you think the motivation is? I, how? I mean, I understand the motivation is he doesn't know where he wants to go, but how does this happen? <laughs> I mean. He's visited all these schools. I mean, what is he waiting on? The test scores, he's not waiting on Stanford anymore. Does he think that – I mean, to be 17 and torn, yeah, it's tough. I understand that. But at this point, what's he going to learn about these schools that he doesn't already know? I don't know. That's the thing is he's he's got to have an idea where he's going. I mean, I think he knows. I, I was actually going to pull up a text message right now uh, when I spoke to his brother. Um, let's, see what he, let's see what he had to say because I – I really wanted, you know, I, I said, uh, I said, hey, Carlos, did D-Ribe sign the papers with Georgia? And he says, sure did, Woody. Oh, okay, well, there you go. <laughs> and I said, I said, so when are we going to get this wrapped up? And he said, hard to say, Woody. Once that time approaches, you'll be the first to know, bud. <laughs> I like that he addresses you by name. Which, yeah. <laughs> which which can, which can go one of two ways. I remember a five star challenge not too long ago, uh, where you know who ended up in Oklahoma. I think it was uh, Atari Bird. Uh, had never been on an airplane before. I know I'm kind of sidetracking this, but I'll try to wrap it up quickly. Uh, Gorney, who covers the West Coast for us, Adam Gorney, is is directing Atari Bird on how to get through the airport and get there on time. And you know he's delayed, and all this stuff is going wrong. And he's like, just show them your ID and your boarding pass, and they'll get you on the plane. It'll be fine. And he texts back to him, I sure hope so, Adam Gorney. <laughs> In the most like threatening possible way. I think of, I think the full name is threatening. Uh, the good news, uh, my biggest takeaway is, hey, guess what, podcast listeners? I'll be the first to know. So uh, per this text message, I'm taking that as a binding contract. I know sure. uh, no recruits ever violate that uh, promise of being the first to know. Uh, uh, yeah, they're always men of their words. We're talking to you, Jake Bentley. <laughs> um, Trajan Bandy also. Um, but you know, the, at least we, we have a little bit of an idea. He signed with those three schools. I think he's going to have a big ceremony. Now I think there should be some attention paid to when and where he does it. He had talked about coming up here to Atlanta to do it. 
I think if he has it in Atlanta, it would be uh, it would definitely be an AJ Brown esque troll job to come to Atlanta and and commit to Notre Dame over Georgia Tech and Georgia, especially considering if he does it at his home base there in Savannah, uh, I could see it being any school. So uh, I guess you know just keep on keeping on. We'll see what happens. I'm going to try to get with uh, Demetrius sometime over the next week and kind of touch base on a recap of what's going on. Hopefully it doesn't involve me driving down to Savannah um, anytime soon. It's so what, what we, So it looks like I'm going to win the over-under, right? Like I said that we would, this thing would drag into April, correct? And you thought it would be done? Um, I, 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 my prediction was I, I think he'll have it wrapped up in April. I, I, think, I, just don't. I think this thing's going to June, baby. Oh man, jeez! Yeah, I don't. I really don't want it to go that long. Um, but maybe we'll just invite him to the five star challenge again. Yeah, that'll play against that? the juniors, right? <laughs> Can we do that? I mean, he hasn't signed anywhere. I know. What, I know we've seen uh, senior players playing seven on seven that are unsigned. So I think he's technically eligible, right? Yeah, you know, I've always wanted to do the rivals one hundred JUCO challenge, and nobody has ever like been on that. I, I think that would be a blast. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun. So let's uh, transition on from, from Demetrius. We'll let you know as soon as we have an answer. Uh, and, and more importantly, when it's over, I may try to get D-Rob to come on this uh, this podcast so we can really uh, go round and round with him. He's, he was a big hit the last time he was on. Uh, now, the school he's looking at, Georgia, all of a sudden in the news, we've seen all kinds of stuff about Kirby Smart, I believe. Shots fired by Mike Greenberg, of all people, at Kirby this morning on Mike and Mike. I saw a lot of uh, Twitter activity surrounding it. Wow, that's still Evidently, a show? Yeah, oh, that's still a thing. God. I mean, I, yeah, they've, I think I think it's even like they got a new set and everything. I mean, I, I, I probably haven't heard an episode of Mike and Mike since, you know, 2003 or something like that. But uh, it's, still, it's still cooking, and I bet they make a lot of money doing it. But the, the, the main factor here is... Uh, transfer blocks. I mean, we've seen this happen with a lot of guys. You know, hey, this kid wants to leave. He can leave. Fine, you can leave, but uh, you can't go to these schools, etc. And I think he was allowed to transfer back to Florida, but he can't go to Florida or Miami, which, or maybe even Florida State, which basically means he can go to UCF, USF, uh, or a couple others, and I don't think UCF has a spot for him. Well, I understand so blocking said, Florida. I get that. I don't understand blocking the other two. But well, I think I think you know, obviously he's blocking Miami because of the whole uh, Mark Rick situation. Yeah, he thinks that they t- well, that's that's without saying it, saying that he thinks that maybe he's been tampered with. Correct? Uh, maybe, but the guy we're talking about, uh, the running back uh, DeAndre Terman, I think is his name. I have to look it up real fast. He's from Orlando. He hasn't played in three years. I mean, not not at all. So it's not like we're talking about a guy. You know, I mean, we saw Georgia have injuries at the running back position, and I mean, ch- chances are, no matter where he goes, I, I don't expect him to be a guy that you know. If, if he were to go to Florida. I don't think he would play very much. I think he's a mid-major guy. Maybe even uh, AJ Terman is the guy we're talking about. He's actually a, he was a four-star coming out of high school. Jeez, Keenan Codrington, where are you at on that one? Number two thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to just point out that I was not ranking the state at that point. I remember him being a guy that that uh, I remember him being a guy that people were really fired up that he was still ranked too low despite. Uh, Despite even you know him being that high, I remember a lot of people thinking that that he was a guy that was underrated. 
I'll have to check and see if he was ranked higher elsewhere. But when you say a lot of people, though, I mean it's like any player that's committed to my favorite school is underrated. So like, I could make this case about any player that has ever committed to any school anywhere in the country that a lot of people were telling me that he was he was underrated. Well, so so <laughs> I know. I just wish they would say, "Hey, you know what, Rob? We were we were uh, you know we were we were wrong. AJ Terman was was overrated, and, and we." What I want even more is for a guy to commit to a school and for me to get an email or a tweet from somebody that's saying, I just wanted to let you know that I think this man is appropriately ranked. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> great, great. Although that'll happen with the number one player online, the number one player in the country uh, from that school. But anyway, so he was ranked higher other places, I think is what, what caused the outrage. So, so Keenan gets a little, Keenan gets a little cred. Um, so, I, I don't know. This is just a this is just a weird thing because he said he was denied transfer a few times. I don't know. I mean, personally, personally, I think uh, you know, I, uh, I I'm a, I'm cool with just letting guys go. I think guys should be able to go wherever they want in terms of outside of the conference or outside of your schedule. I mean, if if you know if USF was playing Georgia next season, I could see why he wouldn't want him to go there. But other than that, I mean. You know, I, I personally think, you know, coaches just need to say, hey, you want to go, go. I mean, uh, yeah, if, that, if, if I'm a coach, I've said this very, very often on this podcast, I'm always looking out for number one. It's why I don't get mad about them dropping commitments. It's why I don't get mad about, you know, a lot of the things that some people get mad at coaches for doing. Uh, you got to get your paycheck. But so if that so if you have to block a player from transferring in your conference, because that, you know, can mess with your paycheck, that can mess with your food then block them. I, I, I see why you're doing it. Like, whatever is it ideal? No, but, you know, I get the motivation. I don't understand the motivation if a kid is unhappy and wants to transfer out blocking to a different league that isn't, unless you think that somehow you're going to play this team in the national title game or something. Uh, I don't understand how it affects anything, except for just to be petty. Well, I, I you know, yeah, exactly. Well, if he wants to go to Georgia State, you know, does anyone care? <laughs> you know what I mean? Let, let him go. So I think they, I think... There was some type of rev- of a revision where they now he can go to anywhere as long as it's not Georgia Tech, uh, you know, and a, and a few programs in Florida. But I mean, you know, I guess Kirby was kind of trying to set a tone, saying, "Hey, we don't want guys just jumping ship." But especially when a coaching change happens, guess what? Mark Rick can leave with no restrictions to any school he wants. Uh, you know, why can't why can't Terman take off? Yeah, no, no. I, like I said, I, I concur, but you know, I should say that I understand him blocking SEC transfer rules. I, I wouldn't want a guy transferring from my team to another school in the conference. All right, so you know, real quick, we want to touch on uh, more Jim Harbaugh. You know, we had the uh, argument this week. If you didn't see it, uh, another shots fired tweet at the uh, AD at Ohio State, and actually, I think people. People have turned on our boy Harbaugh. They weren't happy this time saying he took the original quote out of context, blah, blah, blah. My, here's my thing. You know, why, you know, he's clearly just messing with it. He's, he's really yeah. doing a, a, Donald, a Donald Trump-esque. <laughs> he, was, he was out of the headlines for like three weeks almost this time. So, you know, he had to get back in there, and this is, this is a good way to do it. Okay, so people say, you know, what do recruits though? This isn't how a coach should act. This isn't classy or whatever. Guess what? Take it from me, someone who is not classy in any way, shape, or form, especially on social media. 
Recruits love it. When I make fun of someone on Twitter, the amount of messages I get unsolicited from recruits goes through the roof. I mean, you know, multiple DMs, multiple texts from people thinking it's hilarious. So recruits pay attention to this. It's, there's no doubt about it, and they like it. Guess what? They like it. They like that Jim Harbaugh's a Twitter, well, Twitter hold savage. On. When did we decide that football coaches had to be classy? I mean, these are dudes that have limited vocabularies for the most part and chew tobacco and cuss at people. I mean, it's not a wine and cheese party at a football coaches convention. People want I, – I don't understand. People want – fan bases want other football coaches of other of other schools to be classy, but it's funny when their coach does it. You know, you don't have to be classy if you coach for my favorite school, but if you coach for one of my rivals, by God, this is a wine and cheese party. I just though, I don't think fans realize because when they see the coaches talk, they're buttoned up and they, they are acting, you know, classy. Like you said, I mean, you know, there are a lot of coaches chew tobacco out on the field. A lot of them use some language that wouldn't be appropriate for this, this podcast. I mean, we've seen it when you watch, even, you know, I was watching the Gonzaga basketball show, which is like a hard knocks type thing. And that's, you know, uh, some type of a, a, a school there where, you know, bad language is not encouraged and the, and the coaches are dropping F-bombs left and right, you know? And college <laughs> so. football coaching is not like a, 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 you know, a book club discussing the, you know, the 19th century classics here. I, I, don't, I don't understand when this expectation that everybody needs to behave like a, uh, you know, like, like a schoolboy <laughs> became a thing. Well, you know, our national recruiting director, Mike Farrell, uh, affectionately known as Mike Farrell on this podcast, wrote in his three-point stance column today that, that he, he loves it and thinks it's so great. Guess what? Then I don't want to see uh, any more complaints about my uh, Twitter goings-on, right? If, it's, if I'm doing the same thing as Harbaugh, why do I get in trouble every time if we're encouraging the coach to do it? Because, uh, this is a question for you, because, because Okay, because, because recruiting reporting – is a buttoned-up discussion of classic literature, but football coaching is not. Mm. <laughs> yes, I know our bosses listen to this, so I, you know I'm just following the lead of of, uh, of one of the most successful coaches in the country, Jim Harbaugh. So <laughs> I'll, I'm going to use that as my defense when uh, I get sent to HR the next time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad strategy. All right. Uh, now, uh, Rob, we're going to take a step away from you real quick, and we're going to head out. Uh, yeah, head out west. to uh, head out to Texas country. We should introduce Kruger, shouldn't we? Like, have we told people that we have this new segment? Uh, I believe uh, we we haven't. We know that Nick, uh, our producer, is now the Texas analyst. So each week, we're going to get with Nick, either Rob or I, or the three of us all together uh, for a little Texas roundup. So and we will uh, we will wear cowboy it. hats. Yeah, we will be wearing cowboy hats. You know, my dad famously wore uh, rattleskin snake boots uh, often uh, to uh, formal affairs. So, uh, you know, I got a little bit of uh, whatever in me. So <laughs> I'll try to spice got a little, that up. Got a little bit of Whataburger in me. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, Diet Dr. Pepper, here I, here I come. So uh, now you can listen to me and Nick. We will talk about the biggest uh, topics in Texas, and then Rob and I will be back with rants and recommendations. Now it's time for a new segment on the Commitment Issues podcast. We have to call it Nick's Texas Roundup. Nick Kruger, our, our loyal producer, now also an analyst here at Rivals.com. Uh, how excited are you to get your own, your own segment as part of the show? I'm very excited. I think I'm very deserving. You know, for a long time, I've been working harder than anybody else at this company. So it's finally time for me to get my due. <laughs> there you go. He said you heard it here first. Uh, so listen, let's talk about uh, this past weekend. We had uh, the Dallas camp. 
uh, on Saturday and the quarterback challenge on Sunday. I know weather was a little bit of a concern out there, but uh, what was kind of your biggest takeaways uh, having a chance to really lay your eyes on these Texas guys for the first time? Uh, you know, it, it's tough for me because my, you know, my introduction into uh, Texas is I'm still getting familiar with, you know, all the guys out there and, and comparing them to one another and, you know, making sure that I, uh, you know, I have a good feel on who's actually good and who I just think might be good from seeing their highlight film from before getting out there. But I mean, boy, when you see these guys up close and in person, there's a lot to like. Um, and obviously the number one player in the country out there. Uh, Mar- Marvin Wilson came out to our camp and was really impressive. And, you know, when he sort of uh, sets the bar and you can kind of see the trickle down of talent from there, um, you know, there was, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of fun uh, football to watch out there that weekend. So you didn't get a chance to come uh, out to Los Angeles with us, but I think we were all really impressed with Trevon Grimes down in, in uh, Florida. Now, out in L.A., we had a chance to see Najee Harris, who's very impressive. Those are the top three players in the country after what you saw from Wilson, you compare him to Grimes. Do you feel like Wilson is is still that guy? I mean, you feel like he's still going to be the number one player. Well, you know what you what we saw what we saw in Grimes uh, in Florida and the way that he dominated a receiver. I mean, you was just the same uh, as the way Marvin Wilson dominated on the defensive line. You know, here here in Dallas uh, this past weekend, really the only player that was able to slow uh, Wilson down was his own teammate and Walker Little, uh, and that happened in the second section, uh, a second session of uh, the offensive line and defensive line one on ones. Uh, so it was really interesting that both those guys, coming from a relatively small school, uh, you know, going back and forth with each other, one being the top player in the country, and uh, you know, and his own teammate being able to to be the one to kind of slow him down a little bit was interesting. But but other than that, Wilson. I mean, was very dominant. had the had the speed and power uh, that you would see in his highlight film. Uh, definitely translated to real life. Uh, you know, very quick. Uh, you know, and powerful player. He was he was really impressive. And I think for both of those guys uh, to be top three players in the country. I mean, if we're comparing them against one another, uh, that's you know they're they're sitting where they should be. All right, so there'll definitely be a discussion about that. There's been a lot of discussion about Wilson's recruitment. Now, you did a file earlier this week where you were asked to predict uh, where a lot of the guys at the camp would land. I noticed a lot of guys, first of all, landing in the SEC based on your predictions, and number two, (laughs) with Wilson, you had him being one of those guys going to LSU. Now, it seems to be that people don't really have a great read. What was it about LSU that kind of made them be the, the pick for you? Well, you know, people people are going to accuse me, I think, right off the bat of having SEC bias, considering I've been living in Atlanta with you for some time. But, um, you know, I think when you when you take a look at Wilson specifically, the biggest reason I picked him to go to LSU is because uh, prior prior to the, prior to these camps, we also had to do another predictions piece where I picked uh, Wilson going to LSU, and I wasn't about to flip flop within the span of a of a week um, <laughs> on my own prediction there. But, you know, I think, I think scheme wise, when you look at, uh, when you look at Wilson's skill set and what he can do uh, anywhere on the defensive line, I think he would be uh, an exciting watch if he went to LSU. And if he ends up feeling that way, you know, that, that's sort of what I would be thinking if I was him. But, uh, you know, talking to him before the camp and, and listening to his interview and watching the way that he talked about Alabama, 
you know, they're definitely a team that um, I think is is heavily in the running form as well. So, yeah, I know those are still two SEC teams, but you know, ba- based on you know, based on what he said recently uh, in interviews, and and you know, just from what I think of him as a player, I still think LSU is probably the best fit for him. All right, so we'll we'll be sure to clip this tape and play it back. Uh, if you're wrong down the line, you'll have to uh, produce it yourself and, <laughs> and own up to your incorrect prediction. Now, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Texas A&M. Making news today. Today, of course, is Thursday. You'll probably hear this on uh, Friday or over the weekend. The big news in the, in the college football recruiting world. I even saw some uh, esteemed reporters uh, actually say, I don't talk about recruiting, but... Uh, Tate Martell, the uh, top quarterback, uh, you know, prospect, one of the top dual threat quarterbacks in the country, is at Ohio State visiting and actually posted on Twitter just a few minutes ago. We saw him uh, in a jersey, the whole unofficial visit experience. The question is, uh, if you're a Texas A&M fan, are you freaking out? What's going on with, uh, with Tate making that trip? You know, my personal opinion of of that, uh, kind of from afar, is that I I wouldn't be worried if I was a Texas A and M fan. I, Tate's been, you know, you want to talk about his presence on Twitter. I mean, there's there's not very much uh, there's there's not too many more options for a divisive figure on Twitter and in, in the football recruiting in today's football recruiting landscape than uh, than our boy Tate. You know, he really stirs the pot, but consistently is always pounding the drum for for Texas A and M. Uh, you know, very vocal about, you know, who, who he wants to recruit and get out there. You see him constantly posting uh, Aggie photos on other people's Twitter feeds, uh, you know, campaigning for them, you know, to, to be out there. And obviously with all the, you know, the, the stuff going on with the, the Texas uh, versus Nevada argument uh, ahead, of his, ahead of his game, uh, opening up the season at Cedar Hill in Texas with Bishop Gorman, you know he he's really he's really entrenched in the Texas uh, culture already, and and I think he likes it. And he was very uh, insistent that you know he he respects the players in Texas. Uh, you know, and I think I think he's still a, a firm commit to A and M. Yeah, a lot of his teammates are there. I think uh, some of his high school teammates slash seven on seven teammates are there. Tajon Lindsay being one of them, a guy I was really impressed with out in California. But uh, you know it's in. <laughs> It's interesting when Tate when Tate landed, he tweeted, "Just landed in Columbus, Ohio." That was one line. Next line, unofficial visit to Ohio State tomorrow, and then one more line. Follow me on Snapchat to keep up with my visit. Oh, I know, so, I, mean, I saw that too. Isn't that great? <laughs> you know, and I mean, do do we think? Do we obviously? It's probably against the rules, but I mean, we're getting to the point. I've seen several pay for Snapchat accounts. And we might be we might be rode right out of the business by these recruits going into business for themselves, doing things like this and charging for it at some point. Well, we know uh, Bryce Brown tried to do his own thing where he charged, I think, ten dollars a month uh, to get recruiting updates just on him. This was a, a long time ago when he was one of the top players in the country. Uh, so, but I think the NCA said you're not allowed to do that. So I, I don't know if they're going to be able to to rein in Snapchat though. So. Uh, you, you might you might have a you might have an actually actually a pretty good idea. So uh, you say it's going to be a lot of Texas. PayPal audits in the near future for some of these kids, you know? <laughs> right? Yeah. You say you say don't worry. I, I'm I'm a little nervous if I'm a Texas A&M fan with the way quarterback recruiting's been going for them, the way things have kind of been a little unstable, and the way Ohio State's done a good job. They stole a quarterback just this last time, and they didn't steal until the end. And Dwayne Haskins. 
uh, and we know they were scrambling for for a guy for a while. So I would keep an eye on it. I would also keep an eye. Does Texas A&M offer another quarterback? They've offered uh, four guys by our count. We discussed it prior to, to, to coming on here. Uh, Ryan Kelly is committed to Oregon. Sean Robinson has been committed to TCU forever. And Kellen Mond is committed to Baylor. So I, I don't really see any of those guys flipping, especially to be a second guy. But if I'm Texas A&M, I think you want to get another quarterback in the fold just because, and regardless of what Martell does, just because we've seen a lot of turnover there at the position and they need to kind of make sure they have options, especially in an offense where the quarterback is asked to, to run a little bit. So, uh, Well, that, if, I, if, I could ju- if I could just add one more thing about that. I mean, for what, for what it's worth, the, uh, the, there's been a number of guys out here in Texas I've already talked to about A&M. A lot of kids have been going to visits there recently, um, you know, and, and I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want people to get the wrong idea about me, but I do occasionally bring up, you know, what their kind of uh, feel was on the situation that may have led to two quarterbacks transferring out of there, if they felt there was anything going on with the coaches, any sort of vibe that they got from them. Every single kid has a very positive uh, reaction towards towards all the coaches uh, on the A&M staff right now. So I think... You know, maybe that ship has sailed, and 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 if Tate can hang in there and, and stay the course with A and M, I think you know that might be a, a figment of uh, people's memories here in the near future. All right, so uh, I think that that wraps up our first uh, Texas roundup. If you want to hear more from Nick, if you have any specific questions for him, you can find him on Twitter at Rivals Krug City. Of course, you can email us at Rivals Podcast. Nick, you're over one thousand followers, I noticed, and climbing, huh? That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, I've gotten a nice bump from all the kids that I need to be interviewing constantly on uh, social media and things of that nature. <laughs> well, the question is, can you catch our, our boy Cassidy Rob? Uh, you're at 1,126. We need to get that number up, people. So follow Nick on Twitter. Rob, though, I believe is close to 10K, but we've seen, hey, we've seen crazier things. When I started as an analyst, uh, you know, uh, there were six p- other people who had more followers than me, and now uh, they're all looking at... Uh, you know, my license plate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm like Paul George. I don't have a rearview mirror in my car, so I can't even tell you. <laughs> I, I can't even tell you how many followers they have. Once I go by, that's it. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still on a bicycle in the bike lane, so, uh, but I'm getting there. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks a lot, Nick, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. All right, now back from Texas to the more cosmopolitan and progressive part of the show. Uh, rants and recommendations, <laughs> correct? I mean, this is uh, this is as highbrow as we get. Woody. What do you? Yeah, got for you us know, this people week? love listening to me complain. It's way better. I could do I could do a whole segment of just complaining about Texas after I had to spend a week there earlier <laughs> this year. But uh, since we're trying to uh, bring our listeners into Texas and uh, you know show some love for the Lone Star State, we'll save that uh, for a future episode. Uh, you know, in terms of rants and recommendations, I boy, I had so many complaints, I, I almost couldn't sort through them. So, uh, you know, we'll start with one. I went to a wedding over the weekend. Uh, you know, big shout to uh, my sister-in-law, Alicia, on her nuptials. And, uh, boy, there was a, a litany of wedding issues, Rob. As, as, someone, as someone who goes to uh, uh, weddings and events like that sober at all times, you know, I got, I got my eye on the prize. Sure. And... Uh, you know, I want to loop you in here too because it seems like you're in a wedding every other weekend. Well, uh, you know, it's yeah, it's a product of the fraternity life. When you are a groomsman, don't do you feel 
uh, some type of some type of pressure, especially being a former fraternity man, to to be out there on the dance floor and keeping things going, right? Don't you feel like it's 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 on you to uh, to keep the party going? Yeah, it's it's definitely part of the part of the task. I think we have it pretty easy as far as guys are concerned in wedding parties, uh, as compared to what uh, the women have. The women just kind of basically become. You know, glorified peasants. Uh, they have a lot of work to do and a, and a lot of thing, a lot of things to do for the bride. Whereas our only jobs, really, for the groom, are to not lose the rings uh, and to keep the party going. You know, so yeah, I, I right. definitely do feel a, a certain uh, sense of responsibility. So that's my message. You know, I, I'm not saying that uh, you know my new brother-in-law's uh, groomsman did a bad job, but you know, it was a lot of pressure on me to be out there on the dance floor, Rob. And I think we've all seen, you know, what I'm capable of. Obviously, I was up to the task. But if you're in a wedding, you got to make sure the entire wedding party is having fun. That means mixing in. That means if you're single. That means flirting with you know other single girls that are there, even if they're not super attractive or you're not attracted to them. Just have a, have a good time. That's your job. Like Rob said, the bridesmaids, they're out you know, making floral arrangements. They're helping get stuff ready. They're helping the bride all day oh, long. Man, it's just is, a bad situation for them, man. They get hammered by that bride. <laughs> It's right, the yeah, the br- right. The bride is on him all the time. So if you, as a groomsman, or if you're in a wedding, and especially you know the best man gives a speech, okay, he does some things. The rest of you guys, make sure people are having fun. You're basically, you know, you and I have both been to a lot of uh, big time, you know, parties around Super Bowls and stuff like that. And guess what? The Super Bowl people do. They bust in models to hang around and have a good time and make it look like it's a better party than it is. That's your job at a wedding, groomsman. So the, the, it's on you. That's my mini rant. I, I could go more in depth, but uh, you know, I like sleeping in my own bed, so I won't go too far. I won't go too. I won't go too far down the road. Let, let me ask you this: What's your take on the whole dollar dance thing? Is that uh, a thing that well, happens? No, yeah, that's not a thing that happens at, at anything I go to. I've seen like. You know, little trees where you tie a dollar to it or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously I, I end up uh, going to some Greek weddings and whatnot. Uh, but, yeah, there's no, no dollar dance. I mean, I'm already giving you a – I'm already spending money to get to the wedding, and I'm giving you a gift, which is most likely just a check. Now i got to find cash too. Yeah, right? I, just, I think it's tacky. I, I was going to uh, I was gonna take that side. But, yeah, if you don't experience it, then you're going to much more highbrow weddings than I am. Well, yeah, you know, obviously you know, it, with me being... It's, it's actually okay probably for people right out of college. But, you know, I think we're at the age right now where we get to knock that off. No, 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 no. Don't, don't ask for money. You know, people are, people are going to give you money already. You're having a wedding. What do you need a dollar? What's a dollar? Gonna, what do you do with these dollars? How many dollars does one person get if they're on these dances? I, I got me. Anyway, so, so, so that's that. That's my rant. You, gotta, you have a rant, Rob? No, uh, no, you know, I, I don't think I do, except for, you know, the fact that I made a terrible choice in Los Angeles by staying thousands of miles away from the camp. I don't know how that happened. Uh, it possibly left my podcast microphone there. Uh, so that's a problem as well. Yeah, we were, we were all over the place in LA at the ho- the hotel situation was, uh, was, was less than good, especially considering we had all kinds of issues with, uh, you know, the, but their rooms were booked up. There's not many hotels by the camp anyway, so we were all over the place. I, I do have a recommendation. I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. I don't know if I've officially recommended it in this section. That's TSA PreCheck. Speaking of L.A., you know, we dealt with a lot of traffic out there. I think it took me two and a half hours to go 20 miles uh, 
on Friday afternoon when I landed in L.A. On Monday morning, on the way to the airport, I got stuck in traffic again. I pulled into the airport to drop off my rental car at 7.20 a.m. My flight started boarding at 7.48, and I was standing at the gate at 6.36, or at 7.36. I mean, 12 minutes ahead of time. It took me 16 minutes to drop off my car, drop off my bag, and go through security. And that's all due to TSA pre-check. Anyone can sign up for it. You go do a background check at the airport. You pay 85 bucks for five years. I mean, think about, you know, time is money. I'm always telling you that. I always cut it close to the airport as is. If you spend that money, you fly right through. If you, even if you fly three times a year and you save an hour of time, you know, you got to figure it's worth, you know, oh, I mean, I've got the hotel. Oh, I mean, I've got the hotel calling me about the lost podcast microphone. Should I take it on the air? Well, no one's going to be able to hear what they say. No one's going to be able to hear that, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, yeah I, got, I got it. I got it spill over. All right, you got a recommendation or no? You know, I've been. I, nothing really new. I haven't had time with all the traveling. You know, I've been. I continue to watch uh, the CW's Crazy Ex Girlfriend, uh, which I think is a tremendously smart television show with a terrible name. I think that name scares people off because it's such kind of like a misogynistic weird title for a show but if you actually get into it it, uh, it kind of rebels against those topics i think and it, you know it's real smart it's real funny uh, i would i would recommend watching it yeah it sounds like a lot of heteronormative stereotypes being played out just based on the title no nah, i see but they're being raged against see they really did a poor 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 job naming that television show uh but other than that you know if you can get past the title it's, it really is quite enjoyable all right so that wraps it up for us we will be back next week uh i think Rob, you're actually coming up here to Atlanta at some point, so I'm not sure if we can get two episodes out over the next 10 days or so. We, we, we might be able to. Nick is also going to be here in Atlanta prior to his move to Texas. Uh, you can follow all of us on Twitter. Uh, Rob is at Cassidy underscore Rob. I'm at Rivals Woody. Nick is at Rivals Krug City. That's K-R-O-O-G. Uh, and he is an OG, so it really... <laughs> Man, I, was so, I was so excited for Nick and I to make you watch WrestleMania with us on Sunday night in Atlanta. we got to find a bar to do that at. Yeah, maybe we should do a special WrestleMania podcast where I complain the whole time. Um, well, I'm, I'm not really looking. That WrestleMania may be eating into the time where we would be recording this podcast, actually. So um, a big shout to M. Deuce. We haven't heard from him in a while. He's back better than ever. He's got some new tracks on SoundCloud. You can find him there, M-Deuce. And uh, we'll be back with another episode next week. Next week.